0: Konnichiwa, and welcome to the board game dojo. My name is Eric, and I am joined by Ben, who looking at your room here on Zoom, I don't know what you have more of actual board game boxes or shipping boxes from Amazon <laughs> and every DHL. I see a Kuroneko Yamato box in the background. Are you is there space for you to sit in there? Or are you just sitting on another box?
1: Uh I've run out of shelves, so inside the things that look like shipping boxes oh yet more games and also inside the <laughs> filing cabinet is more games um yeah um in my very small room full of lots and lots of games it is getting a little bit cramped but um yeah hopefully moving into a slightly bigger room soon so we'll see what happens there but um yeah i am practically wearing my shop <laughs>
0: Uh, yes. Uh, in case this is uh, your first episode on Board Game Dojo, or you haven't listened to an episode with Ben before, Ben is the founder and CEO of TravelGames.co.uk. Uh, shop out of the UK, getting lots of imported games and travel games, uh, travel size games, I should say, uh, out of the UK. It's pretty nice. You, you work with us a lot, and I am uh, a translator for you as well. So worth mentioning at the top of this podcast, but also worth mentioning at the top of this podcast is what we're actually going to talk about today, because when Ben comes on, we have like topics that we'll talk about. So today we're going to talk We'll talk briefly about some games that we've been playing uh, recently, but really where our main topic of the day is the Tokyo game market that is going to be coming up soon. And boy, we have an exciting announcement about the Tokyo game market, but this is called Professional uh, foreshadowing so professional teaser really because i'm not going to tell you that until the end of the show so you got to stay tuned but it's not gonna be like the very end of the show so don't like fast forward it to the last five minutes or something like that i'm not gonna tell you where it's gonna be are you ready ben
1: yeah i'm ready let's let's uh get started well ben
0: so let's start off with what are some things that you've been playing recently anything of
1: note um yeah so i haven't played an awful lot of games recently but the two um kind of of note that I've played recently one is an import the other one isn't um so we'll start with the import one um and that one is mush Mash, or sorry mush smash that's quite hard to say um and it's basically a very pretty very well packaged game um dexterity game a bit like uh the traditional game tiddlywinks but it's mixed in with um gnomes and recipe fulfillment um and gathering ingredients um so tiddlywinks um so tiddlywinks um i'm going to hope that it's a british thing but i i assume it is it's an old game where you have little plastic discs i assume they were wooden originally uh and you balance them on your thumb as if you were going to flip a coin and then you flip them and you try and get them into a pot and sometimes there's a target around that pot and the closer you get to it the more points you get it's kind of like a pub game people would pay um play whilst having a few drinks um got it so this combines
0: that with gnomes and recipe fulfillment
1: yeah um so um what you have is three stages so you have creating the mushroom forest so on the board you have these four square boards uh you have some nice wooden pieces that feel very uh etanesque is the best way i can put it um Mm -hmm. very very nicely um kind of made Uh, There's some short ones and some high ones, so it means that the mushrooms are all at different heights. Then you have a pre-configured order for some of the mushrooms to start with, so you get a nice distribution of different colours. And then you also have a few empty ones. So then you populate the forest, so you roll some dice, and it tells you what colour and what size of mushrooms you can place out. Then once the mushroom forest is complete, you start off with three gnomes each, which are just little disks with a little gnome drawn on but the artwork is very very nice uh you tiddly wink it one at a time into the board if you knock over a small mushroom on the far side of the board to where you are you get extra gnomes so you can build up your gnome population by trying to get further away um or you can just aim for the kind of colors of mushrooms that you want to meet the recipes to build the houses once everyone's run out of gnomes and it looks like a kind of gnome graveyard in the forest because they're just everywhere and someone's probably been hit in the face by a flying gnome they've probably flown off the table it's surprisingly tricky to flick them (laughs) um which makes for quite a lot of laughs so that's always good um you then gather up what you've got knock it down to your hand limit which i think is six mushrooms and if you get five mushrooms that are poisonous one of your gnomes will die and you have to put it back into the sply. um So, sad times for the gnome. Um, And then once you've done all that, you spend your mushrooms on either getting rid of poison mushrooms or buying houses, and the first person to 10 points wins. So, very, very silly. Um, Not to be played in a room where you can't find things that fly off the table, because I can guarantee the gnomes will be going everywhere. It's really well laid out in the box. Like, everything's got its own compartment, which is all very nice. Um, And you open it up and you think this is going to be a bit, for want of a better word, bobbins, um, like not very good. Um, but actually, when you play it, it's it's got a good kind of amount of depth to it for what you're trying to do. It's a bit silly, and everyone had a good time. So yeah, that's mush mush.
0: Yeah, I kind of when I when I saw this on first of all, like the, the table presence of this thing is like fantastic. I remember seeing this. I, th- I think it was at a Tokyo Game Market before, and just like, wow, well, what what is this? But I kind of assumed that it was going to be more of a kid's game. Is that the case? Is it one of those things where it's kind of like Yoda Yoda Penguin, where it's like, it's definitely made to be a family game or a kid's game, but it's pretty fun for adults? Or does it actually have quite a bit of strategy to it that, it, like, you could bring this to a group of adults and they would be perfectly fine playing this?
1: Yeah, I think it does fall into that kind of Yoda are penguin, a kid shuffle kind of thing, where it does feel like it's aimed at families and kids. But actually, yeah, a, a full group of grown adults can have a, a really good laugh with it as well. Um, it's possibly a little bit too overcomplicated for playing with small, small children um, because you've got to have this, different recipes where you've got to have a certain house to be able to unlock, being able to buy the more expensive houses and things like that. So there is a little bit of kind of things to chew on in there. But um, yeah, I think I think any age will get on with it. the The only negative I have for it is... Once you've fired all your gnomes into the mushroom forest, before you start the next round, you've got to get them back out again without knocking all the mushrooms over. So there's a lot of kind of poking and prodding around mushrooms to try and get them out. And the board is made of four miniature thin boards rather than one folding out board. So sometimes they move apart from each other and it's a little bit annoying. So I might get some masking tape on our copy uh, just to stop that from happening. I don't really know why they made that design decision. Unless it was because those cardboard boards tend to bounce upwards sometimes, and maybe it knocked all the mushrooms off. I don't know. Cool.
0: That's uh, Mush Smash by Sora Games Studio. It just released this year, so you're you're on it. You're on all the hotness, really. Yeah.
1: Um, what have you what have you been playing recently then?
0: Um, let's see. So, in terms of like new stuff, we've been um, really trying to play a bunch of new things to try to get stuff onto our holiday gift guide which is coming out this week if you're listening to it on a podcast um the first episode of YouTube came out last Friday we're doing it's five like a five part series on YouTube or one really long podcast episode whichever one you prefer. So the podcast episode is going to come out uh, later this weekend. Uh, ben, travelgames.co.uk, you're sponsoring that. So thanks for that. Yep. But um, So I'm going to save for some of the stuff for, for that um, and some upcoming reviews that I think are going to be really good. But one that I, I will talk about here, because we've already talked about how much we love the original version of the game, is I've gotten to play Ito Rainbow a couple times. Okay. And we we have been championing Ito for at least a year i think our video came out like last year for it and i'm so happy to hear that so many people have gotten a, a hand on it um i know trick talkers had yes. an episode where they were talking about i think it was patrick was talking about how much he loved it and i'm like ha, 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 good more people <laughs> yeah. um but Ethel rainbow is the second version of this game and it's They describe it in the rulebook as Ito 2.0. Ito Rainbow is certainly a whole lot more attractive version. It's got like these nicely colored um, crystals. And in Ito, all you're trying to do is it's basically like the mind and wavelength had a baby together, in which each player is going to have a card that they will secretly know what the number is between 1 and 100 on their card. And then as a team, you're going to pick a category. So it might be something like um delicious kinds of cake or something like it it there's a wide variety of topics that are sometimes like as simple as that but sometimes are just like crazy categories but you'll choose as a team what category you want and then everybody around the table needs to give a hint as to where their number is so if it is most delicious kind of cake the higher you are so the closer to 100 you are should be a more delicious kind of cake but the further down you are like a one It should be a really disgusting kind of cake or, you know, whatever it might be. And then you as a team, after everybody gives their hint, needs to put them in order. That's kind of the basic rule set for Ito. Now, the way that Ito and Ito Rainbow differentiate themselves is that the original one has you kind of working up. So in round one, everybody will have one card. And then in round two, everybody will have two cards that they need to give hints for and so on and so forth, right? And if you win three rounds, then you win the whole game. Ethel Rainbow does away with that Mm -hmm. and has its basic mode of saying you have, everybody has one card and you just figure it out, you put them all out on the table, you put your little crystals down so you remember whose card is where and then you can rearrange them as a team. Now, if this sounds familiar because Ben, you might have talked about it and I know you talked about it on Mm -hmm. our SN coverage episode, it's because this is the rules that they made into the English version of Ito.
1: Ah, that makes sense. Yep.
0: So if you have the English version of Ito, you have Ito Rainbow. You do not have the original Ito. The original Ito is now known as Challenge, as the Challenge mode of Ito Rainbow. Uh, there is also a third version where it's like Koro Koro Ito, um, which is Ito Rainbow with different characters on it. So... It seems like Arclight is now pushing this version of Ito because it is much more, um, I, I want to say basic because that's what they call it. They call it basic mode. Mm. But it is a lot more, um, it's supposed to be easier and it's supposed to be more um, conversational. Yeah. The point is not to like get mad about putting things out of order. It's about just having the conversation there so everybody has one card and then you can argue about it. That's supposed to be more of the emphasis. There's also a different uh, competitive mode. In the original competitive mode of Ito, you would have eight players and you're trying to find the other person that you think combined with you will be the the closest to 100 total. So if I have a thing that is an 80, I'm trying to find the person around the table that I think is close to 20. In the new competitive mode, yeah, in the new competitive mode, you're dividing up into teams and then you're both playing your own game of Ito and whoever's team makes less mistakes wins.
1: Okay. I think I prefer the original one There, but I haven't, I haven't tried both, but from the sounds of it, the original sounds better. Yeah. I've so it, now, it's a, go ahead. So I've also now realized why there isn't the lives card inside the Ito box from lesson because i rummaged through them and then i had never opened the little tiny cards with the japanese art on them i was like maybe it's in there um no it wasn't in there either and then i was like what's happened to this card so that explains a lot
0: (laughs) yeah so it's going to be up to you if i were to tell people like you should get one version or the other i mean Ethel rainbow looks a lot better but then the problem is is that you don't have these lives card which you don't really need you just need to remember that you have three lives, and if you pass round two, you get a life back.
1: Yeah.
0: Ethel Rainbow just looks a lot better. Um, the Ethel Rainbow and Koto Koto versions have a just off the rails set of convert of categories that you can choose from compared to the original Ethel. Yeah. So there's that um all of these games are going to only come in japanese unless you have the specific english version of it that came out at essen but they are all very 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 easy to use google lens for or google translate for and just hold your camera because the text is big enough
1: um i think, I think using so. the card actually adds a, le- a level of suspense to it as well because you you don't accidentally see what categories are available in the box whereas if you've got this big sheet of paper it kind of gives away all the central categories so actually I, I think the japanese version actually is a bit more fun um yeah. that makes sense um but my other thought is so one of the things um i'm gonna go on a shop tangent here um but anyway um go for with, it. With, some the, with some of the games um where i think it makes them better by adding a couple of components so for example if i'm playing lost cities and i take it on holiday with me i don't take the board with me and i don't take that huge box with me i just put it into a little cot cotton bag and i take five cubes with me that are the same colors as what the suits are so whenever anyone buys lost cities from me i chuck in five cubes in a cotton bag and say this is why i've done it so what i'm going to do from now on i think with selling ito is also include um some of the things so you can jump between rainbow and the original one Um, because it's going to be just like a couple of pieces if that um i can add three heart pieces in and uh, then you can play the original so i think that'd be quite good but uh, yeah thanks for that
0: that's no, a good idea i think that's that'll be a good thing because i mean ultimately it's the same basic rule set so yeah and you don't need any really different components for it other
1: than the hearts so i like that idea also also the amount that we're playing ito with my group being able to switch it up a little bit is like between sessions is a nice thing to be able to do um, so yeah.
0: Yeah, um, I, I, I'm interested to see if they come out with new versions of it. I can see it being a very good game to have, like, exclusive stuff for. You know how, like, Oink had specific things that was like, if you went to Essen, you got these very specific yeah. cards for their games and stuff like that. I could see that being very good for Ito. Um, I know they'll probably have it at the Tokyo Game Market this year, so I could see it being like, okay... You know, we're gonna sell Etho Rainbow, and now if you know, you, we have Tokyo Game Market exclusive
1: cards. Yeah, so you'd be like booster packs.
0: <laughs> basically, I I could see that being just like a a thing that they can sell basically forever. Um, but speaking of Tokyo Game Market, let's kind of move on to yep. that topic because Tokyo Game Market is coming up soon. I think some people are going for the first time. Um, Some people are going for their umpteenth time, who knows. Uh, Ben, have you been to Tokyo Game Market?
1: I haven't. I had a plan to go to next year's spring one. Uh, We've booked our flights to Japan. Um, This was a little while ago. And then the dates moved significantly because the dates don't come out that quickly for when Tokyo Game Market is and when we wanted to buy flights. So now I'm there like three weeks afterwards, which is not when Tokyo Game Market is. Um, but I'm sure I will do in the future at some point. It's definitely very high up on my list of places to go um, and conventions to go to. So, um, But unfortunately, no, I haven't been yet.
0: It is a very interesting beast of a convention. I've only been to Essen and Tokyo Game Market, and they are polar opposites of each other in pretty much every single way. Because so Tokyo game market has a lots of like little booths and like you can almost think of it almost like a bake sale because it's a bunch of these these like like little fold out tables that have these small game publishers because that's that's one of the main differences that Tokyo game market has a much, much larger emphasis on these smaller game publishers. Um, I'm sure some people will know them as like dojin publishers or indie publishers if you want to like make the nice translation of it. That's the polite translation of that. Um, There's an impolite translation of that, but I'm not going to give that here. And you can tell that the Tokyo game market really puts an emphasis on these smaller publishers. I mean, of course, you have the big ones like Oink and Ethan. I'm not sure like you would like other places around the world. I'm not sure how they would be be considered big or not, but for Tokyo game market, they're huge. Um, But you can tell they put an emphasis on these smaller ones because they have different ways of getting these publishers to the Tokyo game market. Um, I think like the most obvious example is like they have a package, like a really, really cheap package to present at the convention. And it's like, I think it's like $25, $30, something like that. It's super cheap, but the rules are incredibly strict so for example you get like maybe a half of a folding table so not a lot of space your game can't come in a box so if you have components they better fit into a ziploc bag which is why i have so many games that are on my shelf that just come in a ziploc bag and you're capped as to how many you can sell so i think i think the cap is like 75 or 100 and so add that to the fact that most of these games are from people who are not professional designers at all. So questionable rule books, questionable components, questionable games. Like I always go to game market and spend tons of money, like double what I spend at Essen, Right. Because I'm just like, okay, I'm going to buy like 30 games and I'm just hoping 15 of them are good. <laughs> yeah right i'm just hoping because the expectations are different but the but it's also a bit you know the expectations are different but the experience is very different from from this thing it's just mm. like okay i am going to tokyo game market because i am going to get games that i can pretty much get nowhere else but that also makes it really really difficult for people who want to go to the tokyo game market and i'm like i'm just being honest because especially if you do not speak japanese a Like the designers are probably not going to be able to answer your questions because most of them do not speak English and they will not have anybody who speaks English there at the booth. They'll try, they'll try to be polite, but they won't be able to do it most likely. B, the games that end up being pretty good, if you hear rumors about it, that game is gone. People will (laughs) post that on Twitter and those games will be gone. You know how I said like they're capped at like 75 or 100? That will last like half a day. And then when it happens, and this is smart on their part, is that oftentimes these dojing groups will share the same booth. So if somebody hits their cap on day one, somebody else will take over it day two. So you might only be going on Sunday and the game you want is at booth A4 and you go to that booth day two and it's a completely different game. No. And you'll be like, wait, uh, I thought this game was supposed to be there. Oh, yeah, they were yesterday, but they sold out yesterday. So now we're here. We're part of the same group.
1: So I've got a stack of uh, Tokyo Game Market catalogs. Um, and when you look through them, you notice that this year's one is significantly thicker than most of the other ones. And the difference is, um, in the older ones, it'll say Booth A11, and then it'll have two publishers together. And that sounds to you, like the reader, like they're going to be sat next to each other on a very small stool, and one of them is going to sell one game, one's going to sell the other, um, which might not be the case by the sounds of it. Um, whereas the new one has down the edge of the index on it, uh, you'll have all the different letters of um, the alphabet, and then but it goes cycles through it three times, so once for each day, and you will see consistently the same company in the same booth across those three repetitions but also you'll see other ones dropping in and appearing and things like that um so it's a bit of a weird catalog to navigate but um definitely worth going through with a bit of a fine tooth comb
0: yeah so that used to be the way that the the web page was i think it's still working that way is that i don't know how google translate does with it um but at the top of the page it'll say like a 4 saturday hmm But not A4 Sundays. A4 Sunday, completely different game. And that's also, though, that's also why you'll see a lot of games that at the top of the game market page, you'll see that it came out maybe 2022 fall. And then it'll be 2023 spring and 2023 fall. It's because probably those are the only times you're going to get those games. They they hit their cap. Now they go to the next one. Okay. The next game market, they'll print 100 of them. They'll hit their cap done so you'll find a lot of those kind of games too of like tokyo game market is pretty much the only time they're going to be publishing because like i said earlier these people don't do this professionally they're probably just doing it at night when they have time and they have twice a year these tokyo game markets are the essence of japan people come from all over japan for this game market and so oink their big releases are going to come out Tokyo Game Markets. Eat that, Tokyo Game Markets. Sashi and Sashi, Tokyo Game Markets are their release schedule, and so mm-hmm. everybody is trying to have enough stock to publish and get their game out during Game Market. But a lot of them are going to be capped based on the package that they have, because if you want, if you don't want that cap, you're talking thousands of dollars, and if you're a game publisher that basically can only afford to print maybe 200 copies of your game, you're never making that money back. No. <clears throat> In which case, you got to do what you got to do, you're capped at 100. So it makes it difficult. Like I'm I I, I think Tokyo Game Market is a ton of fun. You're going to meet all sorts of colorful characters there. There'll be people cosplaying. There'll be some um, hmm, shall we say, um, not child appropriate art that you'll see around and it will have people waiting in line for those games. Um, We're going to do a YouTube video about that in the future. So stay tuned for that. Um, But just wanted to let you know that it it can be difficult. You will have problems with like, hey, if you can't speak Japanese, like please, if you're going to go to Tokyo Game Market, please know like, sumimasen, excuse me, you know, arigato zaimas, thank you, things like that. Um, And you might find that they're actually sold out really fast and just so just have a backup plan because that's just going to happen and it's not there's sometimes there's just nothing that they can do about it but we might have you covered ben do you want to start our announcement because these difficulties are the reason that we we're starting something this year
1: this kind of started as an inkling in the back of my head when i mistimed my trip to tokyo game market (laughs) um so what I thought about was, if I can't make it to the Tokyo Game Market, can the Tokyo Game Market make it to me? And if it can make it to me, can it make it to other people who are interested in the same thing? And in previous years, it takes a lot of your spare time to rummage through the Tokyo Game Market website, all the Twitter pages, Um all those kind of things where you're going to find out about all the games that are there. And you're not going to find out about them all either. You're just going to find out about the ones that have been shouted about the loudest. Right. Um, Then you've got the problem of, do I just buy these random games and some of them never get translated to English or I have to do a janky job of it and use Google Translate or whatever comes to hand? Do I even know if there's text on the cards? Like there's all these kind of questions you would not get in a normal board game convention setting um so um i was chatting with uh, eric here um about how we could make it more accessible and kind of make that work so we have been doing some of the legwork already for the uh, behind the scenes probably for a couple of months now i'm um, thinking about it um like time's gone pretty quick um so some of those games are already in hand some of them are making their way across the globe. And we've been kind of setting up contracts with various different designers, publishers, etc. And we're going to be putting together some Tokyo Game Market uh, mystery boxes. So the key thing here is they are more like experience boxes. They're not mystery boxes in the sense that you might get from larger Retailers where they're trying to get rid of stock that they bought too much of and no one wants. So you're not going to get like half a ton of exploding kittens in these boxes. What you're going to get is a curated kind of selection from the Tokyo game market with English rules ready to go. So you haven't got to sit around and wait for someone else, wait to do it yourself or wait for someone else to do it and upload it. They're ready to go. Um, there'll be some of the nice surprises and uh things in there as well. And also it gets past the central problem of if I uploaded all the games I got from Tokyo Game Market on a buy-in-each-game-individual basis on the shop, within a few minutes, all the good ones or the perceived to be good ones would be skimmed off the top by a few people. And what we'd be left with is all the mediocre ones, and then they'd get skimmed off, and then we'd be left with kind of the very very obscure ones and that's not particularly fair because not everyone's going to be sitting there like a hawk waiting for those things to be posted so if we distribute them into nicely curated evenly balanced packages um then everyone's got a fair chance at getting the games that they're interested about and if they don't get those games they're still going to get some other well-curated enjoyable games from Tokyo game market and get that experience of kind of diamond in the rough games uh that are a little bit Some of them are a bit janky, some of them are a bit silly. Some of them are very, very polished. Um, Yeah, it's a mixed bag. It's going to be, but um, hopefully an enjoyable experience.
0: Yeah, I I think that's the important thing. And so it's worth reiterating of like the games that we have been discussing with designers to get are not like trash games. They're games that we find have potential for one reason or another so some of them are going to be dexterity based some of them are going to be trick takers some of them are going to be family games and some of them are going to be more towards the strategic part that you have a variety of games that we have gotten a hold of so what if there's like expansions that are coming out for games and i don't have the original game or what happens if there is a game that's just being re-released at tokyo game market winter 2023 and i already have the game
1: So there's two ways in which we thought about that so um one is we will when you've purchased the box um there will be a form that follows immediately after that so that you can put in your board game geek account so we can just give it a quick double check to make sure we're not giving you stuff you already own because that'd be annoying um if we have an expansion. So, for example, one of the expansions I'm really excited about is the expansion to Harvest, which comes with little harvest vegetable meeples. Um, obviously, that's not going to be much use to you if you haven't got the original game. So in that case, we would include the Harvest game into your box Uh, if you hadn't already got it according to your board game Geek account. If you have already got it, then we'd swap that Harvest game out with something else of a similar value, so um yeah that's kind of how we thought about doing that okay so you might be thinking so when are these going to ship are they going to ship in time for christmas or um like when when are going when are we gonna be able to get our hands on these games uh so eric would you like to um, kind of give a bit of information about that
0: yeah so we have been talking with the designers and i'm going to be providing translations for these games most of these games that we are getting do not come with english translations and between that And the fact that many of them do not want to sell their games before the game market, which makes complete sense. We are going to be getting the games in hand in December and we'll be shipping them out in January. And what's cool about this is that because we're continually getting games in, we're going to give you the option to choose what size mystery box you want. So if you're like, I don't know, I've never really played these kind of Small games from Japan. I just want to try them out for the first time. All right, cool. Choose like a small mystery box. If you already know you love Japanese games and games from the Tokyo game market, then you can go for the medium or large box. So it's really your choice, but it doesn't matter because you're going to get a great experience no matter what size you pick. But that is kind of, I hope, the end of our commercial. (laughs) Um, I didn't really mean it to be that way, but is there some stuff because we've been talking to these designers for a couple of months, Ben, is there any game specifically that you're excited to be including in, uh, these boxes? Because we've had to do a lot of research on these games.
1: There's two that jump out. I'll start with the small one first, um, which I think you've done most of the conversation with the designer about. So you might want to talk about it with (laughs) that game's, um, the last penguin. Um, So this is like a really small pocket-sized game. Um, It kind of fits into dexterity. It kind of fits in bluffing. It's basically Twister for your hands um, with a bit of bluffing. So the bluffing side of it kind of reminds me a little bit of Whale to Look from Oink Games, where you're, so you take a card, you're allowed to look at what it is, you put it on the table, you put one of your fingers on it, and everyone else can put their finger onto it as well if someone moves their finger onto a new card and you're left with the only person touching that card, that card becomes yours. So that could be a positive card. It could be a negative card. Um, So if you've blindly followed someone else's, then they could be trying to trick you into taking negative cards. Um, Who knows? Um, That just seems like quite a fun little kind of filler game to me. Um, And yeah, I had a bit of a kind of deeper look into it looking at the weird translation of the Japanese rules because I just run it through um, like an auto translate and it wasn't great. <laughs> um, but you can also use two hands as long as you can still take from the draw deck whilst using your other hand. So uh, that could be, prove to be quite amusing as well, especially depending on how far away you put the cards away from that deck. Um,
0: but yeah, It is I'm worth knowing excited. that this one does come with English rules, though. These ones do have professionally yeah. done English rules.
1: Oh, so I've been looking at the wrong rules. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it's online yet. <laughs> okay.
0: But it, it says on the box that it does, yeah. is, is going to come with English rules.
1: That's excellent. But um, yeah, it just looks like one of those fun kind of waiting for people to turn up kind of games or something you could break out with a family um, without too much rules overhead. Um, have you got anything about Last Penguin or do you want to mention a game that you've, you're interested about?
0: Last Penguin is a definitely interesting sounding one and I don't mean like hmm that person seems nice it's not like that I don't mean it at all <laughs> um but looking through the catalog I have noticed that I think I think partially it's because a lot of the designers are so excited that Japan is opened up they know they're going to get a lot of people not from Japan the absolute they there is such an eclectic array of games at the Tokyo game market this year. You have games that are just like, let's do hand twister. Why not? <laughs> you have other games. You have like Taiki Shinzawa coming out with a new game of the River. That's gonna be in the box. We have games in which um, you're gonna be flipping a Japanese pancake. You put little tokens on top of it and then you just flip it over. And then however many you don't fling off the table when you, when you you fl- when you flip it over are points. It's like, where are they coming up with these ideas? It's such a good example of what the board game scene is like in Japan, because so many of the board game cafes that you're going to see in Japan have these games that are like Last Penguin, where it's just like these really simple, fun little games that take maybe 10, 20 minutes, and then you move on to something else. This this year, it's just the variety is insane. I mean, we have a trick-taking game about zombies. What else (laughs) do you want from life?
1: Well, I think my favorite one that's arrived so far is the Trick Dumpling game. So this is done by the same guy that did uh, Quack Quack Corrupt Ducks. It's a Korean publisher uh, slash designer. Um, So Quack Quack Corrupt Ducks was really well produced, but it comes in a DVD case. Um, Whereas Trick Dumpling comes in one of those wooden dumpling steamers um so i've got a big stack of those um with all little square cards really nicely produced um it feels like it's kind of got it's a trick taker it's got feels like it's kind of got the base of boast for boast or nothing but it's got a little bit of um extra flavors added on top in different directions um I'm, i'm gonna get it wrong if i talk about it in too much detail um but um that's one of the ones that i'm i am very much looking forward to uh playing myself and um is including in the box because it's just so much it's so different. Like it's not in a cardboard box, it's in this like big, uh well, it's not huge, it's about the size of your hand, kind of uh dumpling steamer. Uh very clearly put together in this guy's house. <laughs> uh in fact, on the he sent a postcard through as well, which gives in English, gives us an introduction of what his game is. And it says something along the lines of Uh, I apologise profusely if uh, any cat hair gets into this. This is from my cat called... I don't know what his (laughs) cat was called. And then there's a picture of his cat looking slightly grumpy at the bottom of it, which I just thought was quite funny. Um, That's really funny. That's the level of, like, it's not as polished, but it's far more personal than any other board game convention I've come across. Um, And I think that's the nice thing about it. So hopefully we managed to bring a bit of that personality to the boxes um we're still working on ways to do that at the moment but i think we'll get there
0: no i think i think that's the the really important part of this is that tokyo game market is a place that you know what you can have this much personality in a game because that's what it's supposed to be
1: Mm. i can remember last spring there was a picture where someone had basically made human-sized whack-a-mole which is basically they just drilled massive holes into tables and had someone underneath the table popping up out of different holes and being hit on the head with a like rubber hammer or something Um, like you just wouldn't get that in, I don't know, Essen or um, the um, board games expert, the NEC or places like that. So uh, yeah, it's just very different well is there anything else that you want to say
0: before we head out then today it's been like a weird half podcast half commercial i'm really sorry everybody but we are excited to get this oh that's that's the what i hope you take away from this podcast episode is that like we're really really excited
1: yeah we've been keeping it quiet now for i don't know a couple of months anyway and it's been so hard not to like shout about it um yeah, there's been a lot of
0: communication back and forth. I don't think I've ever emailed <laughs> so many times back and forth.
1: Yeah. Um, but no, it's it's been a really good project so far. And hopefully it's uh, enjoyed by everyone who wants to take part in it. And hopefully it takes a bit of the pressure off everyone having to kind of rummage through all this stuff. So, um, yeah. yeah, so
0: where can people go ahead and buy this or put in an interest
1: for it? Um, so the page for the mystery boxes is still under construction, um, but I will be releasing a link to that, and it will be on a banner at travelgames.co.uk. So the top of the page, I'll put a banner up saying "Mystery boxes are now out" or "now ready for registration" uh, and a link to that page. But we'll also put it through, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, yeah. all the all the standard places. Um, so. Any of the Discord groups you are already in, you'll probably see us in the Shameless Plug sections. Um, yeah. Um, so hopefully people like it.
0: Yeah, hopefully. And thank you very much, everyone, today for listening. Thanks to Ben for coming on to the show. Uh, later this week, you'll have a more regular podcast episode. We'll be putting out our holiday gift guide, which is going to be like an hour long holiday gift guide has over 50 different games for you to choose from this holiday season and also you can watch it on youtube if it's your preferred method well thank you so much everybody for listening arigato gozaimashita until next time jane